You're listening to the Bethel University Chapel Podcast, recorded from the Everstwar Chapel Fine Arts Center in Mishawaka, Indiana. Thanks for listening. Wow, guys, what a week. What a week. This has been legit. What a week, man. Been good, uh, good spiritual time with you guys. Uh, I just want to say thank you for such a fun week. I mean, I've just had a blast. I mean, not just our spiritual times and worship, but even beyond that, just, just fun. Um, I feel like some of you guys have helped me out when I've been in the D.C. and I've been like, where do I put my dirty dishes? Like, what do I do? <laughs> like, some of y'all, like, help me with that, so thank you. Um, just hang out in the coffee shop. That's been so, so fun. Um, a, a chance here and there to connect with the cool kids, the RDs, right? The cool kids, the, the awesome people. That's been fun between sessions. Yeah, absolutely. I, I'm just curious, where, where's the, the Krispy Kreme crew? Yeah. <laughs> Gentlemen, appreciate it. Appreciate last night. That was fun. That was cool. That was awesome. Best Krispy Kreme I've ever had, man. Just shout out to you guys. Um, <laughs> Sorry, that's awesome. Um, seriously, though, just thanks for welcoming me in. I've, I've felt really at home here. You guys have been really, really kind to me. Um, thankful that God's done so much. I feel like we're, we're already just kind of basking in what he's done, right? We're just like, thank you, Lord. One of those times where you're just like, Lord, if you do nothing else for quite a while, we're good because you've been really faithful, and that's like a really fun spot to be. I was uh, thinking about this morning, and um, I don't know if anybody here is a Chronicles of Narnia fan at all, but um, I love Chronicles. Yeah, Okay. Um, so my favorite Chronicles of Narnia is actually the sixth one. Uh, it's the Silver Chair. That's not a super popular favorite. Um, it's, it's kind of like the reverse, the inverse story of most of the others. Um, but Silver Chair and just Chronicles of Narnia in general, if you know it, it's, it's this magical thing C.S. Lewis wrote where these kids from our world get whisked by magic into this other world. And there's all kind of things that happen there that are, you know, fantasy things, dragons, magic, all that. And uh, Silver Chair is unique in that uh, Jill and Eustace... These two kids get pulled into Narnia, and they kind of meet with Aslan, who represents Jesus. They meet with Aslan immediately. It doesn't happen in any other book. They quickly come face to face with him. And so there's this scene in the very first couple chapters where Jill is on what's called the Mountain of Aslan. And the Mountain of Aslan is this place way, 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 way far in the east where literally Aslan dwells. It's beyond the sea. If you're familiar with the previous book, Voyage of the Dawn Treader, it's where they tried to get to and, and did kind of get to. I won't spoil the ending. Literally, it's this place that everybody looks at and says, that's where Aslan's from. And so Aslan's having this face-to-face conversation with Jill on the top of this mountain. And he makes a comment that I think is very pertinent to this morning. He looks at Jill and he says, Jill, on this mountain, the air is clear. Okay, on this mountain right now, the air is clear and your mind is clear. He says something to the effect of, Jill, you can hear my voice really easily right now. But Aslan proceeds to say, when you go down into Narnia, the air is going to thicken. And it's not going to feel quite this clear. And he gives Jill a warning. He says, actually, you need to take great care that that does not confuse you. And if any of you know the story pretty well, he then gives her something that the whole rest of the book runs off of. He gives her four signs, right? Four things. He says, when it gets confusing, you need to follow these four things. Guys, that's a very pertinent picture of right now in the spiritual, okay? The last couple days, we've been on a mountain, spiritually speaking, and it's felt like Jesus, our Aslan, is really, really close. And when the expectation for God's presence is as high as it is, guys, it is not hard to hear God's voice. I mean, you could walk in this place last night and just encounter God because so many people came hungry, 
right? We're on this spiritual mountaintop where it's very easy to commune with God. It's like, man, you're right there. Like, you're everywhere. It's easy to hear you in worship or in the word. And the reality is the next couple of days are this transition off of that. And I'm here to tell you all I'm doing this final session is I'm trying to coach you on coming off the mountain. What do you do when Jesus' voice and Jesus' presence feel less clear than they are right now? Okay, uh, if I were to say most events, if I were to diagnose most events, this is the step most events, conferences, worship nights, retreats struggle with. This step, it's this one. It's like a lot of people encounter God, but what do I do post-encounter with God, okay? To answer that question, I'm gonna take you back for the last time into the Old Testament to Genesis chapter 12. Genesis chapter 12, literally this is like the root of so much of the rest of the Old Testament. We've kind of hung out in the period of the judges, so Gideon, Ruth particularly. We're gonna go back hundreds of years before both of them to Father Abram, who's kind of the hallmark, the foundation for the rest of the Old Testament. I think there's something in this passage, I'm not gonna teach long today, so I want you to give me your attention. There's something in this passage that speaks to coming off the mountain and going in the daily life. Hit Genesis 12, before we get in, let's pause. Pause. Ask the Holy Spirit to help you, to give you about 10, 15 minutes of energy to focus, and then we're gonna get in Genesis 12, all right? Let's pause for a second. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. I'm gonna start in verse one. It says, the Lord said to Abram, go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I'll make your name great, and you'll be a blessing. I'll bless those who bless you. Whoever curses you, I will curse. All peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So Abram went as the Lord told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he set out from Haran. He took his wife Sarai, his nephew Lot, all of the possessions they had accumulated and the people they had acquired in Haran, and they set out for the land of Canaan, and they arrived there. Abram traveled through the land as far as the site of the great tree of Morah at Shechem. At that time, the Canaanites were in the land. The Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your offspring I'll give this land. So he built an altar there to the Lord who had appeared to him. From there he went on toward the hills of Bethel and pitched his tent, with Bethel on the west and I on the east. There he built an altar to the Lord and called on the name of the Lord. I'm a firm believer you should read a passage the first time with pretty much no preconception, nothing you're looking for. Now I'm gonna give you something to look for, okay? Abram does something twice in this passage. Repetition is always significant in scripture. He does something twice in this passage. I want you to look for the thing he does twice in this passage. Back to verse one. The Lord said to Abram, go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I'll show you. I'll make you into a great nation, and I'll bless you. I'll make your name great and you'll be a blessing. I'll bless those who bless you and whoever curses you, I will curse. All peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So Abram went as the Lord told him and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he set out from Haran. He took his wife Sarai, 
his nephew Lot, all the possessions they had accumulated and the people they had acquired in Haran, and they set out for the land of Canaan and arrived there. Abram traveled through the land as far as the site of the great tree of Morah at Shechem. At the time the Canaanites were in the land, the Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your offspring I will give this land. So he built an altar there to the Lord who had appeared to him. From there he went on toward the hills east of Bethel and pitched his tent, with Bethel on the west and I on the east. There he built an altar to the Lord and called on the name of the Lord. Verse 1 says, The Lord had said to Abram. We're introduced to Abram about 10 verses before this. We know almost nothing about him. So almost the first thing we know is that Abram has listened to the Lord and heard something from the Lord. What he's heard is God has said, Go from your country, your people, and your father's household. Leave those things. You and I live in an individualistic culture which means we live in a culture where you're kind of assessed based upon your own individual goals, life, etc. He lives in a very corporate communal culture. For you and I, leaving your people, your land, and your father's household will be difficult. That would be unthinkable for Abram. In a communal culture, that's like leave everything, everything that makes you, you, leave it, and go to the land I will show you. Hold on, hold on. The land I will show you. So he doesn't know where he's going. What does that mean? God's saying to know where you're going, you're going to have to keep listening. So Abram's somebody who has listened to God, and God's saying, I'm calling you to the next couple steps, and I'm calling you to listening more than I'm calling you to a specific location. Then, if your Bible's like mine, it, the, the format changes. It goes into poetry. It starts being written in stanzas. Now, real important here, Genesis. When Genesis shifts to stanzas, almost always somebody's being cursed or blessed. Okay? If, if a blessing's being pronounced, it shifts to stanzas. And sure enough, God says, I'll make you into a great nation. I'll bless you. I'll make your name great. You'll be a blessing. I'll bless those who bless you. Whoever curses you, I'll curse. All peoples on earth will be blessed through you. What I notice about that is there's a lot of God action. God's saying, Abram, actually, all you have to do is listen. I'm going to do the rest. I'm going to bless you. I'm going to build you. I'm going to make you a blessing. And in case you didn't know, at this point in history, there are two other people in the narrative that have been blessed. God blessed Noah and his sons, and God blessed Adam and Eve. So this is not common, guys. This is not common in Genesis for God to bless people. I know you might think it is, but it's not common. He's the third group of people in history, thousands of years probably up until now, that has been blessed. So God's saying, if you want an uncommon hand of mine on your life, I'm asking you to be a listener. I'm asking you to listen and to keep on listening. And we hear that, so Abram went. Right? Very obedient. Very like Noah. Noah, everything God did. The next phrase, so Noah did it. So Noah did it. So Abram went, and Lot went with him. Pay attention to that. He's 75 years old when he sets out from Haran, probably not how he envisioned spending his retirement years, right? He's uprooting everything. It's, it's really complicated. It's not like if I were to leave or you were to leave. He's got people. Uh, he's got possessions. They all leave. They go. And it says this, Abram traveled as far as Morah, and what happens? The Lord appeared to him to your offspring, I'll give this land. Anyone remember what did he do twice in this passage? He built something. Yes. The first one is there in verse 7. So he built an altar there to the Lord who had appeared to him. Next verse. From there he went on toward the hills of Bethel 
and pitched his tent, and there he built an altar to the Lord. A passage on listening, and he's building altars. So this is interesting. Abram does that four times in his life. Now, the next time he does it, he's a different name. He's Abraham. Uh, Remember him going up the mountain? He's told to sacrifice a son, and he builds an altar. Abram actually does this more than anybody else does in the Old Testament. Abram builds more altars than anybody else. Guys, when they built altars, they took stones, massive rocks, more like boulders, and they would pile them on top of each other. And the reason was when they did that, they were preparing a place of sacrifice. They're saying, we're going to kill an animal here, which means what? It's a place of worship. So an altar is a place of worship. So Abram was a strong worshiper. But it's also more than that. When they put rocks like that, they were saying, we're choosing rocks because we want a substance that's going to survive the weather and the rain and the elements. We want this altar to still be standing when our kids are here. Altars were passed on to the next generation because since we're not talking about little stones, we're talking about these giant rocks. These are rocks, these altars you could see from a distance. We're talking, you could look on the horizon and say, oh, there's the altar Abram built. Oh, there's the altar Isaac built. That's the one that Jacob built. I mean, it changed the actual landscape, not just in the natural, but in the supernatural. So when people built altars, it shifted the landscape, okay? When you think about the biblical timeline, there are literally 18 times this happens, okay? This is crude, but if I just give you a biblical timeline here, let's say creation's over here, let's say the the incarnation's over there, Jesus is over there, you and I are like insanely far that way on the timeline. The first altar right here is built by Noah. After that, we've got Abram builds an altar here, builds four of them. We've got Isaac, we've got Jacob, we've got Moses builds an altar, we've got Joshua building an altar. And all the way over here, you get to 1 Kings 18, Elijah builds the last one. Mount Carmel and fire falls, he builds the last altar in the Old Testament. I'm not talking about iron altars for the actual temples. 18 times from here to here. Of those 18 times, 11 of them, the person who built the altar was building it in direct response to something they just heard from God. So most often, altars are built after someone listens. That means most often, being a listener is a prerequisite to being an altar builder. Yesterday, I talked to you about legacy leaving something to the next generation. Do you want to leave a legacy? How do you practically do it? You must become a listener. You must become a listener. You must become serious about listening to the voice of God. My dad gave his life to the Lord when he was about 17 years old. He went to a youth camp and came forward to an altar call and gave his life to the Lord. At the time, he was living in North Carolina. He was in high school. Their house in North Carolina was a house that they raised a lot of their own food. They had a pretty, pretty big garden. And the year that my dad gave his life to Christ at youth camp, uh, there was a, a big drought in, in their area. Uh, no rain for a long, long time. So the garden was dying. It was a pretty severe drought. Um, they were kind of going to be in trouble if the garden didn't produce food. And so my dad comes back from this youth camp, uh, newly saved, and he's in his parents' house one day, just spending time there, and he hears the Holy Spirit say, remember, he's a new Christian, he's just given his life to the Lord, he hears the Holy Spirit say, 
Donnie, go out in the garden and pray for rain. So my dad walks out to the garden, this maybe a 50, 100 step walk, and he's a new Christian. Like nobody's trained him in how to pray at this point. Nobody's discipled him. And he kneels down in the dust and he just prays a simple prayer, just something like, God, I, I pray you'd send rain. He says, amen. He stands up, he walks back, and he gets almost back to the house, and he hears thunder in the distance. And he gets to the house, and it just starts pouring rain. For our family, we hold on to that moment pretty heavily. Because for us, it was one of the first times in this generation of our family, the Howell family, that somebody did something radical out of listening to the Lord. If you want to walk out what's happened this week, you must become a listener. You must become a listener. Just like Abram, if you listen, is more important than where you go. Okay, I want to be strong on this one, and some of you might disagree with me on this. I actually think God's will for your life is more dependent on if you're listening and being obedient than a lot of the major decisions you make. I actually think you could go live in any number of cities, and if you were listening to God, you'd be in God's will. Now, for some of you, God might have a very specific will at a point in time. Absolutely. He might lead you to a certain city. But in general, in life, your listening is way, way a bigger deal than a lot of other variables in your life. And I'm going to tell you this right now, and you've got to hear this. You've got to hear this. To build an altar, you need three stones. To build an altar, you need three stones, all right? To have a lifestyle of listening, you need three. You don't need one. You must, you must, you must have three. If you leave Ignite and you have one, there's going to come a period this season where you're going to struggle. You must, you must, you must have three. I'm going to ask you to repeat these after me, okay, verbally. So right now, I want you to say out loud the word saints. Saints. Okay, one more time. Saints. Scripture. 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 Spirit. 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 Okay, so we have the saints, we have the scriptures, we have the spirit. These are the three building blocks of listening to God. You want to be a listener? You want to be an altar builder? You must have the saints, the scriptures, and the Holy Spirit. You need all three. So when I say the saints, I mean Christians. That's what Paul calls Christians. You need accountability group. You need a mentor. You need a prayer partner. You need people because God speaks through people. Do you realize the scriptures are just record, like records of God speaking through people? So you're not going to be a listener if you leave this week and you don't have a mentor. Or you're not in some kind of midweek group. You've got to have that. You've got to have that. You know why? Because you're going to go through seasons where the scriptures feel real dry and you're not doing great in your time with God. You're going to go through seasons where the subjective voice of the Holy Spirit isn't very discernible and you're going to desperately need women and men to speak into your life. You've got to have that stone. But you must have the scriptures, the Bible. You have to. You need a love affair with the word of God. You must become somebody that's in love with the word of God. You have to have that. And then you have to have the Holy Spirit. And I understand 
Yes, the Holy Spirit's in the other two. I understand that. But what I mean by the Holy Spirit distinctly is this idea, you have to listen to the Holy Spirit in you at times where a believer doesn't say something or the word doesn't say something. You realize when God said, go, Abram, he didn't read that in the Bible. The Bible wasn't written. He heard that in his inner man. That was the Spirit unmediated speaking to Abram. You need all three. You must, you must, you must have all three stones. Say it one more time. Saints, Saints. scriptures, scriptures. Spirit. spirit. In your testimony and your personality and, and probably the background of Christianity you came from, if you grew up in a Christian home, you're probably naturally stronger in one of those than the others. You need all three. So I'm challenging you today, pick one of those things, the saints, the scriptures, or the spirit that you're like, I want to work on that. And that is what you need to tackle with your accountability group and your midweek group this next week. That. Can you imagine what would happen if you went to some of our profs or missionaries in residence or Sean and said, hey, I need to work on listening to the Holy Spirit. Can you teach me how to do that? That's awesome. If you said, hey, I want to work on the scriptures. I, I, need, to be, I need to memorize scripture. I need to, guys, pick one of those and tackle it. Saints, scripture, and spirit. Those are the building blocks for an altar, a lifestyle of listening. It's the only way you're going to keep living out what God's done this week. Probably my favorite uh, series of all time. I'm a big, big fiction reader. I absolutely love The Lord of the Rings. I love The Lord of the Rings. Um, a lot of my bookshelf in my apartment is, is Lord of the Rings. I'm talking deep, deep backstory lore. If you get really, 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 really in Lord of the Rings, if I were to summarize some of that for you, you'd find out that years before what most people know, the movies, the trilogy, years before that on the Middle Earth timeline, years before that, in the south of Middle Earth, there's these men who are fighting this darkness, this enemy, and these men get really strong. They, they get really strong. Their armies get really big. They get really good at fighting. They get good weapons. They get special metal to make the weapons. with. They get all these things, and because of that, they can actually overcome the darkness. They can beat the bad guys. They can defeat the enemy. And for a long time, these good guys take the enemy's strongholds and control them. And Middle Earth's got peace. But over time, these really, really strong armies, these men actually stop keeping watch. And they stop being on guard. And over time, that enemy they defeated creeps back in until you get to the trilogy later on in the timeline when these same men, now led by the heroes we know in the trilogy, have to retake the same ground, the same territory their forefathers took earlier. That's a real good picture and a real sad picture of the life you will live if you don't get this. I hate saying this, but this is a part of me charging you at the end of an event. If you don't do this, you will come back to an event like this next year, and you'll have to retake the ground God took this year. And that's the saddest thing about doing events like this. You see people that are taking ground and taking ground, and if you know them, you're like, they're actually retaking ground they took five years ago. You're in the same cycle as the book of Judges. The joy of that kind of a life is very small. Okay, 
We need people that are taking ground and keeping it. And you keep it when you build an altar on it, and you do that with being a person of listening. That's good stuff. That's going beyond just going to a lot of Christian events, and now you're becoming a disciple. The saints, the scriptures, and the Holy Spirit. I want you to do this. Um, Before I, I leave you, I want to pray for you, and I'd like to bless you, okay? So can you just go ahead and stand up with me, and worship team, go ahead and call on out. I want you to stand up, and I want you just to... Just to pause for a moment and just kind of let one of those three things, the saints, the scriptures, the spirit, let one of those three things rise at the surface. Just pause for a second, maybe close your eyes. And I want to pray over you as we close this week out. Holy Spirit, I pray right now for anybody in the room that needs to dive into the scriptures more. I don't pray they would try harder. I pray you'd put in them and impart to them today a love for your word. Lord, I pray for anybody in this room that's looking for a mentor. I pray in Jesus' name you would send them the right woman or man to help be the saints in their life, Lord. God, I pray if there's somebody in the room that is a mentor, maybe an older believer here that needs to step up and be that force for them, I pray in Jesus' name you'd prick and prompt their heart right now to do that. God, I pray for anybody that just thinks I could never hear from the Holy Spirit directly. That would never happen for me. I pray in Jesus' name you'd begin to speak to them, God. I pray they realize that hearing your voice isn't something that happens when you're elite or you're spiritual. It's something that you offer to all people. And God, in the name of Jesus, I just joined the elders at this uh, church or at this school. I joined the RDs. I joined the spiritual life staff. And we pray against the enemy who would try to retake the ground that's been taken. And I pray in the name of Jesus, the students in this room would rise up in moments of temptation and darkness and they would set him fleeing because you've put that authority in them. They're strong and the word of God lives in them. So I pray that over them in the name of Jesus. Lord, I ask that you'd bless this campus. I ask that you would take the spiritual legacy and the altars that have been built and you would multiply them and they would pass them on. We pray for next year's freshmen. We pray for next year's alumni. We pray that the legacy of faith, the altars built on this place would be many and long. And would you raise up Abrams, listeners, altar builders in this place. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Students, I'd love to bless you if you would uh, look up. Uh, You don't have to open your hands. It doesn't make you more spiritual if you do. But if you'd like to do that, you can. I sometimes do that when my pastor blesses me. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you. And may he be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face toward you, Bethel. And may he give you peace. I bless you in the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, and Holy Spirit. Thanks for listening to the Bethel University Chapel Podcast. Subscribe to the podcast and get more information at chapel.betheluniversity.edu or check us out on the iTunes store by searching for Bethel University Chapel.